thing is that we're a duo, we're, we're a partnership, and the goal is, is to help the team win. And you know, I think it's been awesome being able to, to work with them and, and learn from them over the, over the past year. And I hope, uh, just like me, he takes as much you know, pride and joy in my success as I take in his. So. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Joseph Wall running out of the magic pixie dust mm-hmm. that he had accumulated. He's got to save some of it for the spring. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. It, yeah. Perfectly, perfectly fine. He wasn't abominable nope. yesterday and can't really... I, I don't think he can be faulted. I would say that the what was the power play goal. I mean, it goes off the post and in. That was from distance. Other than that, there's nothing that's... A, like, it really stands out nope. as far as goals allowed. But like you said, and that I agree with, you got to stop a puck. You're allowed to 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 make uh, stops that are yep. difficult, mm-hmm. that are not expected. But he has been more than capable between the pipes for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, has emerged as the one to Ilya Samsonov's 1A. But does that change after yesterday's performance and the Leafs with their biggest game of the season to date mm-hmm. against a previously undefeated in regulation Boston Bruins team at the top of the Atlantic Division tomorrow night in a place that he knows very well as a former Boston College goalie. Yeah, I th- I think it's interesting the way they handle that. I think part of it would be a conversation with the player. How much does that matter to him? Maybe he's got a ton hey, of friends. Hey, you want to play? No, no. Like, yeah. No, saying, hey, look, you understand. You're not getting 70 starts a year. You've never done that. So why would you get 70 starts a year? Do you have a preference? Like if they, if they truly look at him as the one now, mm-hmm. and it's all about communication and being open and understanding where everybody's at, then I wonder if that's even a conversation. Like for all we know, Joe Wall... It was like, nobody in my life in Boston who mattered in my life in Boston is there anymore. What do I care if I play on, on Thursday versus on Saturday? I'm sure he wants the net both nights, but if they're going to split it up, why why wouldn't they talk to him or both of them about it? We'll see who gets the start. But again, it is, it's a, it's a big game early in the season for a couple of different reasons, not the least of which is the Leafs put up a stink bomb of a performance yesterday against good. the Los Angeles Kings. Now, I'm, uh, time now for our insider, who is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider is a guy that's new to media, Corey Schneider, former all-star NHL goalie, uh, former AHL goalie as recently as last season, uh, just retired from professional goaltending in September. NHL Network analyst joins us online right now. How's it going, Corey? How are you enjoying retirement? Uh, pretty good, guys. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold right now, so I apologize if I sound a little funny on the radio. Oh no, this is this is radio secret. <laughs> little bit of cold is the yes, best true. radio voice. You get a little Deep bit voice. of that gravel yeah. in you. Yes, you right. sound rap, so. Oh, yeah. it's so good. But I like the name uh, Insider. I don't feel quite like an insider yet. I feel like I'm just uh, an outsider still on the media circuit. <laughs> no, no, no. But honestly, like that makes you, yeah, you're just barely removed from the game. You are as inside as it gets. Like you were, you were right there. You were, you were playing the AHL where, where Joseph Wall was plying his trade a season ago as, as one of the best uh, American League goalies. He's also a former Boston College guy like yourself. You were a first round pick. He's a third round pick. This is seven years after he was drafted. I mean, does that sound right as far as the amount of time that it takes to marinate and, and, and become the goalie you expect to be? Yeah, it's definitely never linear when it comes to goaltending. There are very few guys, very few carry prices or, you know, Tuka Rass who come in the league at a young age and 
uh, are able to play really well for, for, you know, consistently for a long time. So I've been really impressed with him, you know, not only because he's a fellow BC Eagle, um, and we have quite the resume now between him and Demko and Spencer Knight and myself. We have a lot of BC guys in the league, which is Goaltender, you? But that's right. But um, no, you know, I, I played against him a couple of years ago when I was in Binghamton for a little bit with the Devils, and you know, he, he looked raw. He looked like he needed some experience. He needed some seasoning. You could see the, the physical tools are there. He's a big kid. He moves really well, tracks box, but you know, he just didn't quite seem comfortable. And, and that takes time. It takes reps. It takes experience. Um, you just have to see the same plays over and over again in your head to understand what's going to happen next. To, to you know, learn how to anticipate and predict. Um, the plays, especially at the NHL level, it's so fast. So um, I've been really impressed with him. He's been a huge reason for the Leafs, you know, good start. And, um, you know, he played well in the playoffs last year. And sometimes you say, all right, you know, he ended the year well in the playoffs. Let's go with him next year. And it doesn't always translate. So for him, it's been great to see that uh, it's translated so well and so early because the Leafs have needed him every, every single game he's played. Yeah, Corey, you're, you're kind of a perfect guy to talk about this because you've been all of these guys in your career. I mean, you've been a starter with the Devils where you played nearly 70 games in the season. You've been part of pretty even splits. You've been a clear backup at certain points when you're breaking your, your way into the league. And obviously every coach is different, and I imagine every goalie needs something a little bit different. But how open and honest is the communication typically of, okay, you're going to get this game, and okay, maybe when you're the starter, it's more they need to talk to you when you're not going to play versus when you're the backup. It, it, how how much is the plan communicated ahead of time? And again, I imagine every coach is different, but how much was that important to you? And depending on the different stages you were at as the definitive starter or more of a split or, or more of a backup. Yeah. It, like you said, it all depends on the situation. You know, when I was with Roberto in Vancouver, uh, it was a pretty clearly defined hierarchy, at least my first year or two, you know, it was okay. You know, Roberto's going to play here, here, and here. You're going to play here. Um, so it was pretty well thought out. And as a backup, I think that's helpful because, uh, you can go a long time between games. You can go 10 to 14 days between games, depending on the time of year, early in the year where you're more spread out in October. There just aren't a lot of games and they want to get the starter going. So you still have to sit there and wait. So to know or to have a, you know, a goal or an end date in mind to say, okay, I'm going to play that game. It, it gives you something to work towards. Um, and as the season gets going, it gets a little heavier. So you sort of say back to backs. All right. You know, every once a week, once every five days you get in. So I think that feels a bit better, but, um, yeah, like I said, it, 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 as a starter, I think it's a mindset. I think as a starter, you kind of know, all right, I'm going to play every other night. And you get in that rhythm, and you expect it. And so I think that, you know, some guys thrive off of that, and you learn how to how to play that way. That's what I did. When I got to New Jersey, I sort of learned how to get into that rhythm of the season, just wanting the net every single night. Because when you feel good, you want to keep going. You don't want to come out. So it is a bit of a, an adjustment. And, uh, you know, this day in the league, though, it's it's a little bit harder to do that because there's only so many goalies, I think, you know, maybe five or eight who you sort of say, all right, you're going to play 50 to 60 games and you're the number one. I think almost every other team besides that, it's like a timeshare. It's a 1A, 1B. And um, because every game is so important and competitive in the league now, it's sort of day to day. The coach says, all right, we need to win this game tonight. Uh, who's playing better? All right, you're in. You know, so it's, it's a little bit less predictable, I think, now than it ever was. And um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it does keep guys on their toes. And if you're not feeling great about your game, but coach calls your number you got to go in there and find a way to win so um it is a little bit trickier but i think guys get more of an opportunity now to to get back in the net pretty quickly you don't see guys going weeks or you know double digit days without playing very often unless you're behind a vasilevsky or hellebuck or you know a sorokin that kind of thing so um you know i'm glad that you know joe got a chance to play early and, and often and once you take the net now it's it's hard not to play even if you're supposed to be the quote-unquote backup goalie 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of the interesting spot the Leafs were in. I would say most people kind of handicap this situation as Samsonov being the starter, but I think most people expected Wall to push him and, quite frankly, overtake him at a certain point in the season. I just don't think anybody knew or thought we would get here this early on. But, you know, it, it, Samsonov is a goalie this team is going to need a lot throughout the season. Part of that is Wall has had trouble staying healthy in his career, and part of it, as you said, it's just the way the NHL goes. How do you think a coach goes about about messaging that to a goaltender like Samsonov, who, you know, right now Joe Wall is getting the bulk of the starts and it's kind of a two and one. How do you think he goes about messaging it and how crucial is the coach's job there? Or maybe it's the goalie coach who talks to you. Like how important is the messaging of that to a guy who's more of a, a one B as opposed to a true backup? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because I think as a goalie, you know, communication is key. Um, but, you know, at least in, in my history, which, doesn't mean it's what it is today in today's game. You know, the, the head coach didn't really say a whole lot to the goalies. It was, you know, the, the goalie coach did all the messaging was sort of the conduit between the coach and the goalie. And, you know, the head coach might tell you when you're playing, you'd say, all right, you're in tomorrow, you know, whatever. And that was it. That's all you hear from him. And then you hear the goalie coach. All right, here's what we're going to work on. Here's what to look for. You know, so it's, it's a bit of a hierarchy. Um, but, you know, you, you want, you, you want to know, like you want to know when you're playing, you want to hear it as soon as you can, or you're from the coach, but it doesn't always work that way, especially the young kid. Um, you know, maybe this is a bygone era, but, you know, sometimes you have to earn the respect of the heads up or, you know, being told things, but otherwise you have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Say, Hey, you're, you're the goalie. You're ready to play at all times. It's sort of the cliche. Um, you know, I'm ready to go in whenever, but, uh, and you have to live up to that. So some, some coaches say, Hey, just, just play when you're called, you know, simple. So, um, it can go both ways. I've had some coaches who've done a great job communicating that they've laid out the plan. They've said, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of starting him here, but if things don't go well, be ready to go next game. Okay. Or, Hey, I'm thinking about playing you on the back to back. Oh wait, he just pitched a shutout the night before the other guys. So I'm going to go back with him the next night. So you sort of have to be flexible. Um, and that's true in any case, you can go in any night on any given moment with an injury or a poor play. So I think as a goalie, you try not to look too, too much into it in terms of who's communicating that and how I think, um, your mindset is to always be ready no matter what, because even nights you're not supposed to play, you could end up playing two periods and having to win a game. So I think for us, it's, it's, you know, we always are in that somewhat ready mind state. It just depends on if we're actually starting or not. Uh, it's your former teammate. It's the Leafs goalie coach right now, Curtis Stanford. Is that something you anticipated he would find himself doing later on in life? <laughs> I didn't know the Sandman was there. That's right. Um, you know, uh, he was always a smart guy and a really good goalie. I think he was always underrated. He never kind of quite got the chance back in the league that I thought he should have. Cause when I played with him and, you know, Manitoba and Vancouver, and then he later played, I think, in Hamilton against me. He was still really good. Um, so he just kind of got squeezed out at that age, which sometimes happens. But he's got a good goalie mind. He, he thinks the game really well. He sees things that um, not everyone sees. So um, I'm not I'm not surprised that he's uh, he's there right now. So it's good for him. Tell him I said hi. Okay, we will. Uh, should we ever uh, talk to him? Leafs coaches. Talk to him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leafs coaches not exactly seeing the light of day very very often. Uh, they have him chained up somewhere. Uh, should we should we ask them a question? Uh, but yeah, should we ever uh, get a get a chance to do it? I you you mentioned Sanford having a great eye for this. This is something I ask every goalie we have on. We had Dubnik on uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. I asked him the same thing. What is it that you look for? Because me, I'm watching it. And I've never played goalie. I grew up playing hockey, loved the game, but never played goal. I say, I look at a guy, is he big? Is he confident? 
Does it look like he's swimming? Those are my three things. Is right. What are you guys looking for that is maybe a little more in-depth? Because I think a lot of people, they have these conversations about goaltending, and honestly, I talk about it like it's like uh, somebody reading my palm at the town fair. It's like, I don't know, I have a good feeling about this, is usually the level of analysis we get. Obviously, someone like you has a little finer-tuned eye. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm sort of getting more in that mode. Like, it's, you know, it's one of those sayings, you know, it's like, I don't know how to explain it all the time, but I know it when I see it. Um, but, you know, at least for me, I'm looking at a couple things. And one is, my first is footwork. You know, if guys have, or if they're able to hold their feet, their edges as long as they can, like you said, they're not going down too early, they're not swimming. If they have good footwork and edge control so that they're able to grab edges to maintain position, they're able to keep their net. Um, and what I mean by keep their net is they're not sliding out of the crease, they're not oversliding, they're not, you know, uh, being too, too aggressive all the time. They're able to use their edges to stop their momentum and, and hold the net. I think that's huge. Um, the second thing is you said play big, or uh, does he look big? And I think, do they play big? You know, some guys are big and they play small because they get crouched over. Um, they, they're down on their stomachs a lot. They're low all the time. Um, you know, example for me is, and I'm biased a little bit, is Ilya Sorokin and, and the island. He, uh, he's not a wide guy. If you look at him in the net, he's not thick and huge like a lot of these goalies are. He doesn't, you know, fill up a ton of the net, but his upper body is always upright. He's, a, he's, such, he's so good at, you know, controlling his lower body and his upper half almost independently where, you know, he can be doing splits and rotating and twisting his lower half, but then his upper half is still almost perpendicular to the ice, which makes him look big. He plays a lot bigger than, I think, his size. Um, so I think that's an important aspect. And then the last thing for me is puck tracking. Uh, you can tell guys who either aren't feeling it or don't track pucks really well because, you know, not that they're guessing, but um, you can see the ones who do do it really well where they're able to go get pucks with their hands. They're, they can find it through traffic. They can make those quick saves in tight reaction-wise, but that means you're seeing the puck really well. And there are nights where I just haven't, I just can't see the puck for some reason. You know, it's just you're seeing it, but then it's coming at you. You're not tracking it, and you're almost trying to block or guess or shift into it. Um, so it's a fine line of, of you know, tracking it really well and, and going to get pucks and not being able to track it and just sort of shifting and blocking and um, just trying to get in the way versus going and getting it and feeling really confident. So those are three elements that I look at, you know, as a goalie when I try to see is this kid – you know, is he on his game tonight? Is he dialed or is he not feeling it right now? And he's struggling and, you know, this could be a long night, that kind of thing. See, I look at uh, four goals against on uh, 27 shots <laughs> and I say it's, it's not enough saves. But need, need more saves. <laughs> Eight, 852 save percentage. Not good yeah, enough. Like, yeah, you really didn't like it when it was four on 13 before you made a bunch to end the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, that was obviously going to normalize. But yeah, we mentioned, uh, Corey, yeah, you guys both uh, Boston College Eagles and Joseph Wall's never started um, in Boston. He's, he's never played against the, the, the Bruins in Boston. Now, you're a Massachusetts guy, so a little different. He's a Missouri guy. But, I mean, do you think that means something to him to, to, to return to a place that he obviously has some positive memories? I think so. I mean, you know, when you're at BC, you play at the Garden. You play, you know, Bean Pots and, and Hockey's Championships there. So it's kind of the big building nearby that, that means a lot. I think it's full. So that was my first exposure to a big crowd and, like, a big atmosphere. Um, and again, like you said, I'm from Boston, so I grew up going to there. So it's a little bit different, but um, it is. It's a point of pride. You know the city well. You got play. You probably got some friends and people from college still there who want to come see and play and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's not nothing. And for, and for another good reason, it's the Bruins' Leafs. So it's a huge, a huge game. You know the Bruins are eight and one, wherever the heck they are. Um, so not only just personally, but just uh, professionally, that's that's a statement game for him and the Leafs. So to get that start, it means a lot. Sort of. You know, it reminds me of in Vancouver, we came back to Boston the year after the finals and they tapped me to play the game in the garden, which is basically like, you know, as Vancouver people call it game eight. And, um, you know, I wasn't thinking too much about, you know, my buddies coming to see the game. I was thinking about beating the Bruins in the garden. So that was a, a big spot for me. So I think uh, it would mean some to it for sure. But I think just the way he's played, 
you know, you try to view it as another game. You don't try to put too much into it because then you get a little sped up, a little over overamped, and you don't want that to affect your play. So hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be something, but not too much for them. The, the game and the competition is more important. Yeah, and the the good thing is, and we, we talk so much about messaging, is that uh, if the Leafs do split that start and the Saturday start, you get to tell the other guy he gets the net Saturday night at home in Toronto. So exactly. uh, not a not a bad sales go. pitch either way. Uh, before we get That's you right. out of here, I did want to ask you about the the Devils. Obviously, uh, that was a team you you had a, a good run with, but you also crossed over with some of the young Devils in your last season there. You know, uh, not not the Taylor Hall, Wayne Simmons. I kind of forgot uh, one of those guys played played with you there, but but I'm talking about of course okay. uh, Hughes and and. Hughes you're there uh obviously their first overall picks i don't think you're sitting there going wow it's incredible that these guys are so good how, how do how do we get them you you know they're talented players but did you see this coming specifically from from hughes and his ability to his ability to kind of make this leap that, that he's made now yeah i mean look you can never predict superstar those are few and far between you know the top five ten guys in the league so you can see he definitely had it um you know jack lived with us for about four months that year when he was 18 just because you know um just help him get acclimated and just help him, you know, get used to it. But, you know, just spending time with him every day and talking to him and just seeing where his mindset and mentality was at, you could tell he, you know, he wanted to be a killer. He wanted to be the best player in the league. It just, he was 18 years old and just physically wasn't mature and ready enough to do that. But it's, you know, you could see the, the frustration because he's used to putting up four points a night in, in the U S program and comes to NHL and he's got, you know, averaging, you know, whatever, half a point a game or whatever, you know, 10 points in 20 games. And it's just new to him. So you could see the desire and the will to be the best and take over games. And it was just going to take time. So I just figured, you know, all right, it's going to take him a year or two to, to acclimate and get physically ready. But, um, you know, I think last year we did 100 points. Like, that was really eye-opening and just really impressive. So um, between him and, you know, Jesper Bratt was there too, as well as Nico. You know, you could see the skill and the talent. And, you know, obviously for me, <laughs> I was hoping, you know, that that whole transition for the Devils would happen sooner than later. But that's just the natural arc sometimes it takes with high picks that are young kids. They, they really come into their own in the early to mid-20s. So, um, this is about the timeline. This is about the time when they should be, you know, ascending and, and starting to take over the league. And they are. And I think it's a huge credit to them because they all work, you know, Nico, Jesper and Jack, they all work incredibly hard. And I think those three are really the engine that drives that team. Um, you know, not only up front, but just in general, they're kind of a, the heart and soul. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch, you know, we root for them from afar. I, I tend to root for people more so than teams these days, but um, you know, we're always keeping an eye on, especially Jack and those guys just to see how they're doing. And it's incredible, you know, the way they're dominating the league right now. And again, it's early, but um, he's on a great pace. I don't see any reason why he can't maybe not sustain three points a night, but, you know, um, really lead the league in scoring or be in that, in that mix at the end of the year. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's really good and stuff. It's quite good. <laughs> quite yeah. good. Uh, Corey, you're from. You better quicker than I did. Yeah. <laughs> you're from, uh, you're not from Boston, you're from Marblehead, Mass. And I Marblehead. I'm perusing the Marblehead Wikipedia page. It has a, like a town national anthem. Apparently, it's an official town anthem right. called Marblehead Go ahead, Forever. Prove your prove <laughs> your loyalty. Perform it for the I fellas had, right now. I had no idea about a national anthem. That doesn't sound very national. That sounds very regional or local. Well, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's me. called a, a, a town anthem. Marblehead Marble, Forever. Marblehead Forever. Oh, yeah. I do know that. Okay. Oh. I, I All right, the floor is yours. Adam, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I, no? didn't remember, I didn't realize that was the anthem. We used to sing it was Marblehead Forever. God bless this good old town. May she ever something her noble ancestry. Amazing. First in revolution, first in 61, and for all our honor, we shall keep her free. 
All right. There you that go. That was good. Spoken oh, word yeah. version. Yeah. That was good. It's the, it's, the, it's the birthplace of the American Navy, so, you know, yes. we've got a few, few feathers in our cap. Yep. Uh, yeah, and a lot of famous uh, yacht makers from, from Marblehead and, you know, yeah. notable NHL yeah. players as well, including yourself. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Corey, uh, this was great. Uh, congrats on, on your second career, man. Uh, you're doing amazingly well. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Corey Schneider, former all-star NHL goalie, currently uh, NHL network analyst doing uh, work for MSG as well. He was our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, Marblehead also where, I can't remember which, but it's either where Ben Affleck or Blake Lively's character is from in the town. Not the actors, or actor, I guess both actors, but where their character in the movie The Town is from, from Marblehead. They make well a quip about it, yeah. Huh. That's a that was that a, a pull. I love that movie. I don't know what to tell you. Boy, watched it a lot. I need to rewatch that one. It's really good. Um, you think you're better than me? A lot of that in there. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. It All was. Right. Uh, I I I love that chat with Schneider. And you know, not to pit our guests against each other, but scoreboard. Corey Schneider won. He is tick the box best on that answer from ex goalies of uh, of what are you looking for? Yeah, because he, he started name some he, things, but he he's like you got to you know it when you see it. And I was like, okay, so they're just it's all voodoo. And yeah. but then the puck tracking, I mm-hmm. will say, as he said that, I do feel, and again, maybe you know he could actually see this as opposed to me feeling like I see it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like that is one thing that stands out about Wall. I feel like he catches everything. I feel yeah. like he does a very good job of reaching out, not letting the puck get to him, him going out to get it. So it does track what he said there. Tracking the puck, important thing. Yep. Uh, Megan I thoroughly, saves. thoroughly enjoyed that. It's good. Yeah, he's really, really good. And I, I think he's going to be successful in his media career would be my guess. Yeah, uh, should he Corey, want to be. Well, yeah. And I think he does uh, because he's uh, he started that that portion of his career. And uh, I think the cold, honestly, like it sounds good on sounds him. Sounds so good. He should not. He whatever like you know they have like uh, cold sprays and stuff like nasal sprays mm-hmm. for the. They should have the opposite. Oh. Like if I'm healthy, mm-hmm. you should be able to just like right oh, before the yeah. show, and all of a sudden I'm like, uh, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> great, great, be great. All right, when we come back, uh, more Leaf Talk with Nick Kiprios of Real Kipper and Born. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I am ready to talk to Nick Kiprios of real kipper and born after the Leafs very lackluster effort in a 4-1 loss to the Los Angeles Kings getting booed off the ice Nick at the end of the second period are we allowed to be disappointed in an effort like that like, I think it's fine I think so I think a lot of people are pointing to it's always tough coming off a road trip and yeah for whatever reason they're they're not the first team to to be lackluster after uh being on the road for what 12 days but that that was ugly last night that's horrible and uh i think the fans had a right to let them know how they felt yeah it's interesting because so much of the conversation heading into this year was ah this is a different feel around the leafs team and i, I i'll be honest the fact that they're getting booed nine games into the season and i'm with you guys it was bad effort those fans are allowed to boo for sure but it does let me know that that 
one playoff series win. It didn't generate maybe quite as much goodwill as we thought. Is that a fair way to read into it? Because, you know, it, again, it feels like, ah, they finally got over the hump and it's nine games yeah. into the season where we're all saying they had a good roadie and you played two bad periods and we're into boot off the ice territory. Like yeah. maybe that win <laughs> didn't carry as much weight as we thought, Kipper. Well, Gunner, you know how I feel and, and the conversations I've had with uh, your buddy Sammy McKee on our Real Kipper and Born show. My favorite show on the station. Sorry, Ben, yeah. by the way. Appreciate that. You apologize uh, to me. Uh, there, there's some validity to that if we were talking about the Leafs four or five years ago, that the goodwill over beating the Tampa Bay Lightning would have felt a lot better if it was just earlier in their development or program built around Matthews and Marner. Um, but here we are in year what? I've lost count. Is it eight? Yeah, eight, eight years that uh, just that that goodwill that you just spoke of moments ago isn't good enough at this point. That they've got to jump from feeling good after one round to a Stanley Cup final or win the damn thing. So that to me is is where you are in 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 expectations as a as a leaf fan or a season ticket holder uh that you know when you've made that commitment to pay for your forwards over half your salary cap it's because you can build the championship around these guys now mm -hmm. and even though Kyle Dubas is gone and and Brad Tree Living came in Again, the thought is that if you're going to go spend $5.5 million this season on Tyler Bertuzzi or $3 million on Max Domi or $4 million on Klingberg, it's to surround those guys so you can get them to a, a Stanley Cup final. And uh, last night was anything but that look that the Leaf fans wanted against a team that we know may not be off the top of your... Uh, you know, off the top of your tongue that they'll win a Stanley Cup, but will compete for a Stanley Cup. The LA Kings look to me uh, like you do not want to face them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Big, mm -hmm. uh, smart, disciplined, uh, structured. Is there anyone today, this morning, that would ever pick the Leafs to beat the LA Kings in a best of seven right now? No, we. I mean, it's an alternate reality, though. Where they'd have to meet in a Stanley Cup final. So I don't know. Like, it's hard I'm for just, me to put my brain it, it, there. I'm, what What I'm telling you right now is, when you looked at Kopitar, Dubois, and Philip Deneau down the middle. Yeah, I said it before. Yes, last night's game heavy. To, to Sammy and and Justin that uh, th that sh that could easily be regarded as the best center ice uh, in the National Hockey League down the middle mm. and. Uh, they, they dominated Matthews, Tavares, and Camp. It was Menda boys last night Yeah, in, his, in the center ice position. Yeah, and, and Matthews is still just, um, you know, counting stats-wise, having a pretty good season. Only had two shots on goal yesterday. Doesn't have a five-on-five -five goal since game two of the, the regular season. Yeah. And yeah, That's a concern. Yeah, what's going on with that top line? Ah, uh, gosh. I don't know how much time do we have, but right now they uh, they aren't in sync, and I, I don't know whether or not uh, um, 
you know, the, the, the first two games that Matthew scored, you know, six and everyone's talking about the pace of, uh, of a gazillion goals this year. And I, I don't know whether or not it just, it just, uh, it kind of set off the wrong kind of tone for, for three guys. It was great for Matthews and, but I, I just, I don't know what, those first two games did with six goals and no one's going to turn around and say, Hey, that was a bad thing that happened. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible start to a, a season, but there was no growth after that. There was no, okay, here we are. And it's, it's the three of us and, you know, with Bertuzzi and, and Marner and Matthews and Austin got us off to this great start with this, his historic start uh, with back-to-back hat tricks. But there was no growth after that. It was almost as if they all went their own separate ways. <laughs> and that's the worst thing that could ever happen to a line. Um, there has to be cohesiveness. There has to be, um, you know, uh, the ultimate sharing of the puck. There has to be, uh, you know, tremendous respect for each other to make it work with each other and, that hasn't happened uh, uh, between Matthews, Marner, and, and Bertuzzi. And, and now I, I don't even know what line Bertuzzi ended up with last night. Was I, did, I hardly saw him in the third period. I couldn't tell you what what line he finished on. Yeah, it was it was all over the place. He's certainly a man with without a bit of a home. And look, I mean, I think it's, it's very fair to say that that line is going to go as Matthews and Marner go and their connection together. But I also think we have to be careful just assuming any serviceable left winger will fit in there. I mean, it's been more guys that haven't fit there than have. It's been Bunting and Hyman that have fit, but look at all the other bodies they've tried in that spot, be it Nick Ritchie or man, it feels like Nick Robertson got burned there at, at various points in time. They tried Joe Thornton. They have tried so many different guys in that spot. It does feel like maybe they're, they're, understating just how important it is to find the the right fit there and i i do question if they have the right guy on that the the roster for it although nice is the guy i'd like to see in that that spot there well i think everybody ultimately feels like matthew nice is is destined to to be their best left winger uh in in a short while but in the meantime i i agreed with them that uh you don't thrust them there right away and they handpicked tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, to be that guy, and they paid uh, a heavy price for it, uh, paying him way more than they ever would have contemplated paying Bunting, and for good reason. He was supposed to be the bigger, heavier, stronger, more legit top six left winger. So everything on paper, Gunner, pointed to the direction that that Bertuzzi would work just fine mm. with Matthews and Marner, and it hasn't. And I, 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 I believe that, uh, you know, if you back off of it, which Sheldon has, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but whatever he does with Bertuzzi moving forward has to be with the long-term goal of getting him back there and making it work. Because again, there's not too many people in the hockey world that have watched Bertuzzi over the years and Matthews and Marner, that would suggest that, uh, you know, that that can't work or that wouldn't be a great line. So with, should be. 
Yeah, with Bertuzzi, and, you know, there's been some understanding that he's been banged up to start the year, and he also had just some kind of bad luck, high-stick penalties uh, going against him or, or him getting dinged for the penalties, I should say, early on. And to me, it feels like that's, and I don't want to overstate this, but it's neutered who he is as a player a little bit. I mean, you you saw him in that first game, and he's causing the scrum, and Matthews is jumping in, and Giordano's coming over the top, and I just don't feel like we've seen as much of that from him. For a player like Bertuzzi, who, you know, he's here to score, you get five sheets a year. It's not just to be running around and be a pest. But do you think he needs to have a little bit more of that element of his game, maybe just to, to get himself going and then the, the points maybe follow? Yeah, for sure. And on the bigger scale, you know, Bertuzzi, Domi, and and Ryan Reeves were supposed to ingest that into the team. And you know, I wrote an article, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, and my thought was that these three guys can't do it alone. It has to resonate throughout the whole lineup, and people have to buy into that a little bit more. And, you know, while it's easy to say that they haven't exactly done that, the three of them haven't brought that emotional element that you just spoke of, I will say that it it's also 17 guys that haven't, try to embrace it either or try to change a little bit of their look or feel as a team. Like what we saw last night and what we saw on the road trip was kind of the same that we've seen over the last few years that sometimes if it's not clicking for this team, they look disengaged. They look like they're not that interested in getting their noses dirty. And last night, I get it. You might've been tired coming off a road trip, whatever, but Find a way to still get your nose dirty. Find a way to just go. Don't don't go away quietly. Don't don't brush it off like, well, I just didn't have it tonight. I'll no, it's game nine. That's game nine. It's all about no, the postseason. No, no, no. So, um, I think, I, I think they've they, they've all got to kind of reassess after these uh, ten games coming up uh, by the end of the week. As you know, guys, what are we doing here? Well, what kind of team we want to be? Didn't our identity change a little bit with Reeves and Domi and, mm. and Bertuzzi? And why are we falling into the same trap? Yeah. No, and, and the Reeves thing is tough because, yeah, there's so few suitors for him on the ice to, to, to allow him to do his thing that is supposed to inject life into this Leafs team. Listen, and also, yeah, I'm, go ahead. I'm watching him last night, and he's spending, uh, you know, he can spend as much time in his own zone as the next guy. But, you know, he's also taking some healthy runs at uh, Drew Doughty. I mean, and if he's trying to get a piece of the body, and if he misses, I, I, I think there's enough, of of Ryan Reeves that you know can 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 scare a few people saying I, I don't want that guy hitting me. I mean I I don't know what, what what more people have expected out of Ryan Reeves. Sometimes I I listen and you know he's he's taking way too much heat uh, for 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 what he's about and what we thought he he is what we thought he is a guy yeah. that can go out there and, and drop his gloves when need be it. Although it's not much these days in two thousand and 23 but he's out there trying to finish checks and you know making drew dowdy a little nervous out there at times yeah that's that's ryan reeves what do you want 
I would like him to be on the ice for fewer goals against, to be honest, though, Nick, like six five on five goals against that he's been on the ice for, which is among the league leaders and he are among the team leaders and he's barely yeah. been on the ice. And I get it. It was kind of a weird shift that he was on the ice for, well, for the goal against yesterday when Noah Gregor loses his I, stick, but it's I, happened a lot. I've I played with guys like Ryan Reeves. Exactly. And sometimes they play two minutes, three minutes. Uh, four minutes uh, in my in my era, guys. Ben, they were like nuclear weapons. They just sat there, and you just threatened to push the button, you know, to the other team. And as long as that threat was there, sometimes it was good enough that they didn't have to play eight minutes. <laughs> right? They could play two. They could play one. Sometimes they they didn't even see the ice the whole game. <laughs> and but the coach would look at the other team's coach and say, hey, hey, you want me to push the button? I'll push the button. Well, and it's it is funny. Like we're sitting here talking about it. He we're nine games into the season. He's already had three fights this year. Or sorry, one of them in preseason. He's already had two fights yeah. this this season. So two in nine games. It's a pretty good clip he's running at. And yeah, it's frustrating that Lucic isn't going to be in the lineup for Boston on, uh, I guess, tomorrow. Because we all kind of had that circled as our early uh, Atlantic uh, heavyweight tilt there. Not going to happen. But I, I'm with you, Kipper. I mean, they're, not to say that Reeves can't be criticized. He can be. It's just there's a lot of other places I, I start to sling my arrows before I get to him. They scored no five on five goals yesterday. It, that's exactly it. We keep coming back to it. Now, Kipper, we know at the start of the second, Keith loaded up. He went full nuclear with Nylander, with Matthews and, and Marner. Do you think there's any world where he switches up the top six and whether it's go full nuclear and have Tavares yeah. with Nyes and Bertuzzi or even just flipping Nylander and Marner? We know they've been hesitant to do that, but that's also been the first thing they do when the top six needs a shakeup. Could you see that happening? And maybe are they just waiting for the point streak to end for Nylander yeah. and Tavares to do that? I, I I was not a fan of watching Sheldon load up with Nylander, Marner, and Matthews last night, uh, especially after watching, you know, a lifeless team um, at down three nothing. And I, I think it's such it's the easy thing to do is just to 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 say to to the team, you guys can't score. I'm going to put my three best scores together, and we're going to come back and win this game. And uh, watching last night, uh, trying to come back and win that game last night would have been the least of my worries for Sheldon. Like, I've got 82 of these games. Okay, I'm I'm not I'm not changing anything that needs to be changed by loading up Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. What I would have done if I was Sheldon, I I, I would have split them all up. And I would have said, okay, I'm not interested in goals and coming back and winning. I'm interested in winning one stinking puck battle along the boards, okay? <laughs> That's where we got to come back to now in this hockey game is I'm not interested in in the finished product of, of putting the puck in the net. I'm interested in just watching you guys compete the rest of the game, okay? A win for me isn't coming back and scoring more goals in, LA, in the LA Kings. A win for me from me, this moment on forward is get the puck out of your own zone. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. How about knocking somebody over and 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 winning a 50-50 puck battle? Okay? That's what I want to see. So 
to me, that's where the Leafs got to get back to. And, you know, to, to, to load up a line or to, to now put Nylander and Matthews and, and Marner together, it, it, it's a bad message to the rest of the team that, oh, they'll fix it. Mm. They'll go out there and score and, and light it up for us. And, and we'll talk about what a, what a great comeback we had. And it's like, no, no, that's not the way they, professional hockey works here it's a process you got to go you got to you got to start smaller and for me go get them to compete before you start thinking about loading up a line and and, and scoring more goals again yeah man you just hit it on the head why i had no problem with the booing at the end of the second period it's not like at the end of the 60 minutes you lost 4-1 to the kings like that's gonna happen it's how they looked Throughout the process of of losing four one to the Kings and exactly what you're talking about and the the shift of course at the end of the second where they couldn't get it out of their zone for about three minutes time uh, Timothy Lilligren playing over twenty minutes yesterday had second most ice time uh, on the the back end at five on five is it is it happening for him is he is he finally emerging as that top four guy I don't see it I I, I, I don't see it and you know. I, it's not like I'm I'm telling you Lilligren hasn't made great strides, but I'm not I'm not convinced that Lilligren on a Stanley Cup contending team is this 22 minute top four guy. There's some nights when you kind of think, yeah, maybe there's something there, and then there's other nights when it's like, no, and that is 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 a problem. Still moving forward, Brad Tree Living knows uh, it's a league-wide problem, guys. That uh, you know, there's just not enough good defensemen in this league, um, and and if they are, they can run anywhere from the depth chart of of four, five, six, and seven. And there's there's guys right now like a little over their skis right now, and uh, like they keep leaning on Mark. Giordano because Giordano at age 40 probably is smarter than most of the guys out there, at least on where to be or where to stand most of the time. The problem is he's got 40 year old legs and you don't, you can't go to a 40 year old and say, Hey, play 21 minutes a night because you're just going to repeat and rinse the same thing that happened last year where he ran out of gas. Yeah. And that's not fair to him, and that's not fair to you, your team, and it's not fair to the fans watching this. So, uh, you know, whether whether or not it's one or two defensemen, Brad Tree Living needs to search and find um, the concerns there. Klingberg, you know, um, I, I just don't understand that experiment at, at $4.1 million um, for a guy that struggled immensely the last what two years two and a half years in his career so they're better than they were last night but uh how much better uh do you think you're going to get between now and the end of the season uh if you don't make changes is is uh the biggest question yeah i expect them to be better tomorrow uh in boston against the bruins because they looked as bad as they did yesterday, partly and partly because, yeah, they, that that stands out on the schedule. Uh, it'll be a measuring stick game for sure, as the Bruins have yet to lose in regulation. Kipper, uh, always yeah. enjoy the chats. Thanks, man. Yeah, and just note, 
uh, tomorrow night, uh, Justin Bourne and I will be on the uh, the, the telecast. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah. We're excited about that. Maybe I'll watch the game then. I wasn't going to. All right. <laughs> okay. Don't hold Ben oh. against me, please, Kipper. Sorry. I don't know what that was. Please do not hold him against me. <laughs> and, and I'll try to find more positive angles. No, you don't then. need to. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm with you. See you, man. Okay. Is that uh, Nick Kiprios, real Kipper and Bourne? Uh, Brent Gunning's favorite show. I'm it, with you. I yeah. mean, who? I don't listen to this show. Okay. I, well, I didn't. <laughs> well, I do. I, I actually, I do listen to the show every second of it every day because I do it. But yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. I thought. I thought you were. I thought you were hinting at drive home immediate air oh. check of yourself, which is a <laughs> serial a, killer yeah. move. <laughs> oh my god. No. I've done I, that earlier in my radio life. Of, I need to hear, and then it doesn't last long. Let no. me tell you. <laughs> Very Kip- rarely do I sit there going, I'm so smart. Uh, but you know who is smart? Kipper. It's Nick Kiprios. My God, he's hit. He kn- so. Okay, what was your favorite thing? My favorite thing was the the lines. Split loading. them all up and go do it yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, he's so right because, yeah, the, the, the long term, the long view should be the number one priority for this team. Obviously, obviously, obviously. And he's right. I mean, it, two points are two points. And you always want to yeah, pick it up. Yeah, and yeah. if they came back and won. And, Great. They had some nice shifts with that loaded up line that, yeah, that, w- that would have been all well and good, but it does send the wrong message at this point in the season. You, you're not supposed to try and push yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Matthews was playing 25 minutes a game early on in the season. Like that's not supposed to be the way you're winning games no. in the first nine games you of the need season. Him. You shouldn't need him to do that other than the very rare occasion. So I, that was my favorite thing. I love that. The idea of, Okay, be it Matthews, be it Marner. Nylander's the guy safest reserve from this. Be it Tavares. Say, okay, you go drive your own line. Nylander, you've been driving your own line all year long. So you're you're absolved from this criticism. But everybody else, you go do it yourself. Let's see how it goes. I, I will love that. never forgive you for being one of the tut-tutters of the fans. I, I didn't. I just said you I understood. You no, were a tut-tutter. Like, I understood the tut-tutters. Been, uh, no, I don't. Oh, no. Now we are going to have to go back and listen to the tape. I am more emboldened in my belief that that's exactly the correct response. You to think Leaf what fans team... should go to Boston and boo them on Thursday? Here's the thing. Like I said, it's not at the conclusion. Like the final horn didn't go, and they're like, Fair. boo! Fair. Boo, you lost to the Kings here's in game my, nine. Here's my ego, which we still don't no, get no, the meaning no, of. No, 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 no. Oh, right. They were waffling. I mean, is that what we figured? Yeah, I still don't. Whatever. Yeah. No, I thought it was amazing because it made no sense. You know, <laughs> sure. what's happened over the last 50 plus years has made little to no sense. Very fair. Um, no, it was at a moment in the game where Leafs were get fighting waxed. an uphill battle against a good team with good center depth, but not... Uh, an absolute upper echelon Stanley Cup contender, which the Maple Leafs are supposed to be, and you can't exit your zone in three minutes. For sure. No, you you boo vociferously. Here's what I'd say, I guess, is that if that's the floor for booing, or or, sorry, if that level of game gets you booed, because they're going to have a stinker against the Yotes, or, Mm -hmm. you know, insert bad team here, that... You got to boom for that too, and it's just I know you're saying go ahead, do it. You don't want this to process. turn into boo it's central. The, the, the process, yeah, man. Like look, like you give a damn. Uh, agreed. I would have liked to have seen more of that last <laughs> night. Just a little. Some it, of that, like there's none and, of that. That's what I said. Some, any, some semblance. Oh yes. my god, horrible. But again, yeah, this this team when it you get their attention, mm-hmm. 
they show something, which I expect them to do tomorrow. I do too. I also expect us both to be rich tomorrow after the Raps under hits. <laughs> the surest thing in life right mm, now. I love it's like, I'm going to be angry about stuff, and yeah. the Raps game is going to go on the under. Those right. are the two certain things in life. Tune in tomorrow when we're both wearing, like, giant chains around our neck. After I, I'm going monocle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Top hat. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 5.9 in the Fan. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.